I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the hockey podcast, part of the Athletic Hockey Show network of podcasts coming to a market near you soon to rule the world. Pierre Lebrun. Listen, pal, I hope you got your game face on because we're going to chat with one of our mutually favorite people in the game. We're going to talk to Pekka Rene, King Clancy Memorial Trophy uh, winner. And so I hope you're ready. Are you ready to roll? I am. I am. Let's do it. All right. Well, we're going to talk to Pekka Rene in a few minutes. But before, let's see, what are we going to talk about uh, you want to pick a topic or shall I just throw one at you? I, I always sometimes wonder that if you feel like I'm the control freak in our relationship where I control the, you know, the questions and, you know, like if you ever want to just, you know, you got something on your chest, you want to get it off the top, then I, I'm just telling you I'm open to a lot of things. I, I'm trying to be a more open, um, you know, sort of Zen person as we uh, come to the end, hopefully the end of the pandemic. <laughs> For you to be a control freak would have to would have to be me acknowledging that I will do what you say, which will never happen. So I don't know that I'm 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 giving you that control. I'm just giving you shots at it. And if the questions are good, I'll answer them. If they're not, you know what I'm going to do. So go for it. Okay. When I think of it, I will tell you not to go down the rabbit hole early in this podcast. But when I think of control, I think of you in a jukebox, and I <laughs> and I think of you physically. Warding off people, and it's happened more than once, frankly, that I've been witness to, where you try and ward people off so that you can control the jukebox. So I, I frankly feel honored when I throw out a question and you actually answer it. So I, I feel pretty good about this it. is this is a true fact that years ago, uh, you know, when we'd be a bunch of hockey writers uh, in an establishment that sold cold beverages, and there'd be a jukebox, I would stand in front of the jukebox to make sure no one cut in front of my songs and um and i'll never forget how traumatized i was the first time i realized there was an app that was created years ago that could actually cut in front of the jukebox selections by you know paying a price or however, however it works oh. i i just couldn't believe it the, there was this person at the bar gleefully <laughs> pressing the app and cutting in front of all my songs without having to come close to the jukebox i i was just I mean, uh, I, I was crushed. I mean, I, I was I, just buckled. I uh, I remember being there in that moment of realization, my friend. And, and then was, you went out and got the app. I, I think. Do. I think. And then you you downloaded the app as soon as you as I you saw it. it. I use it often. So yeah. Uh, all right, <laughs> on to important topics. I have to tell you, I have been enthralled with the uh, opening two games of that Tampa Islander series. Oh my gosh, that is hard hard hockey and it, to me it's just been absolutely outstanding 
And I don't know, it, I'm not really, I'm not surprised by it, I suppose, because I think you and I talked about it. I think both Tampa and the Islanders, even though both of them met in the Eastern Conference Final in the Edmonton bubble last summer, both those teams are better than they were a year ago. And I think we've seen that through the first two games. Agree? Disagree? Yeah, and I think the best thing that happened for that series was the Islanders winning game one and full value for winning game one because it gave some juice to the series. You know, I think it was John Cooper himself who mentioned, you know, <laughs> amazingly, and we kind of lose track of this, but, you know, the Lightning are 6-0 and ever since they were shocked by Columbus two years ago in playoff series. Like, they've never right. looked back. Yeah. <laughs> they ran the table, obviously, in winning the Cup last year and, and obviously won the first two series now. But in doing so, too have really been – they've been front runners through this run here over the last two years. And so this is the first time they're actually behind in a series this year. Anyway, I, I forgot about how all four series played out last year. but um, And so it's not a team that's faced a lot of adversity ever since they had that shock to the system uh, from Columbus. So I think what – happened by losing Sunday afternoon is I think it really provided a reset moment for the lightning as if, as if you, as if they would need one, they've been so darn good, but they were lousy in game one. A lot of that is a credit to the Islanders. Let's not make this about what Tampa didn't do. And let's make sure we remember what the Islanders, you know, forced that result by an amazing performance. But I think it provided Tampa a reset moment where it's like, Whoa, Let's remember how we got here and how this works and how we won a cup last year. And I think we saw that in game two from the Lightning. They were all world. And the Islanders were good too. So they had, they had to scratch and claw to, to tie that series 1-1. And I think we're in for a long one. I think this is going to be a great series. Yeah. I, I, Tampa is 11-0 and in, in the past two postseasons coming off a defeat. So to your point, it's a – like it's – Man, they they don't their slides are mini slides. So that uh, and, and, and you know what's interesting to me is that you know we're having a lot of debate these days about playoff hockey and the difference between playoff hockey and regular season hockey, and we're having it because we're having to decompress on Colorado being out, you know. Um, on Toronto getting shocked again in the first round, on the Oilers being swept in the first round, and True. teams built on skill and what it's going to take to figure out the playoff puzzle and the teams that are still playing hockey. And, and there's no question we know what the Islanders and Habs are about. I mean, the Islanders have been at it longer and, and their, progr- their program is proven. But, um, you know, Vegas, you know, the thing about Vegas and Tampa for me is that not only do they have a lot of the high-end element skill that that you see in a Colorado and in a Toronto and in an Edmonton, uh, if not more of it, but they also have that hard grind element that's, you know, yeah. some people don't like talking about this because they feel like that's the conversation from years past. But the, the playoffs again this year have proven this is still a reality, uh, at least until we decide that the officiating is going to change in the playoff. But the reality is, uh, it's a different game. And, you know, what I, you know, we'll get to Vegas later, but what I respect so much about Tampa, the way in which Tampa won the Cup last year and the way they're playing again in these playoffs is that, yes, if you want to go end-to-end and and trade chances, be careful with that because, you know, Kucherov and company will eat you alive. But if it's a beat-you-in-the-alley series, they can meet you there too. And, and, and that's, you know, I'll never forget Brian McClellan about, you know, interviewing him the, uh, a few months after they won the Stanley Cup in Washington and, and, and the Q&A that I did with him. And I think we've talked about this, Scott, and he gave me a quote that will resonate forever for me. He truly believes that you have a team for the regular season and a team for the playoffs. And they're not the same. Some players overlap, but yeah. there are different ingredients that work in each case, you know. And, and that to me is definitely is what teams that go far in the playoffs are going to have to figure out. Are you troubled by it though? And I, like, let's, it, it is, it's a given. It's, it's a, it's a truism, right? Like we're not debating, oh, you know, do you think this is? It, it is. And, right. and you, and, and you, you have to get your head around it. And, and I'm sure, you know, and we had Dave Tippett on not too long ago after the Oilers were swept by uh, Winnipeg. And, 
you know, you talk about learning lessons, but but part of it is is yes, learning how to play, but it's also learning how you have to build your team. But and I've seen other people refer to it like it, it, other sports aren't that way, right? I mean, like the, the the NFL playoffs, teams have success because they're able to execute, but all you like all of a sudden, let's use whatever the example is. I, I like to use the Dallas Cowboys because you know they're they're in. They're an average team with an average fan base, but uh, uh, excuse me, I'm just kidding. But like, so the, <laughs> all, all of a sudden, Dallas, like Dallas, goes to the playoffs. Um, they don't suddenly change how they approach the game from the from this regular season, right? Like, well, although I would argue, neither one of us are football experts. We don't cover that sport for a living, although we love watching football and we're football fans. But I would argue, and I want to belabor it, but I would argue though that people often tell you that if, if you can't run the ball, which may not necessarily be a regular season focus, but if you can't run the ball in cold weather in the playoffs, you're in trouble in right. terms okay. of controlling the, the line and so on. But but no, no, you're right. I mean, th- th- there probably isn't another sport where the different where the difference. In this spectacle is so, you know, and it's not just, let's not just harp on the officiating, which is absolutely a factor, absolutely a factor. It's also the player's willingness to sacrifice their body and block shots and finish their hits in a way in which, quite frankly, even though no one will ever admit it, they're not going to do in November because the year is too long and and there would be too many injuries, too much wear and tear. You know, if a team played like that over a hundred games when you combine the playoffs and and the regular season, and that's a big part too. And and you know, it goes back to I know it's a comment that has annoyed a lot of people, but I I can't believe that people don't. Some people don't see it. That's why I said all year, even when they stunk, Scotty, and you agree with me that the Habs were actually a roster I thought that were built for the playoffs. And the point was, there are things that that roster is doing right now. That if they did that over 82 games, there'd be no players left. Like, it's just, it's a tough physical commitment to play that way. You know, the Habs big four on defense, uh, and hopefully they get Jeff Petrie back. They can't, Shea Weber can't play like that over 82 games at his age. Yeah. Ben Sherratt, Joel Edmondson. But get into the playoffs, and now you can suddenly start grinding teams down in a way that's, yeah, physically exhausting and takes a huge commitment, but you're willing to do it when the Stanley Cup's on the line. And, and that's, and that's a part of the, and that's a part of hockey that will always be true. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the difference between a game in October and November and, and a game come April, May, or in this case, June and July. But, yeah. um, and so, you know, that's, you know, I think Colorado will. Colorado is so close to figuring it out. They're an awesome team, um, you know. But those, those are lessons. They disappeared in the middle of that Vegas series for whatever reason, <laughs> and and Vegas took over, and they took over and imposed themselves physically on Colorado. There's no other way to, to, to put it. I think. Well, and, and there is a moment, I remember Dan Bilesman, back when he was coaching in Pittsburgh, he, having a conversation with him about the playoffs, and it always stuck with me, because, and it was during an, it was the Eastern Conference Final in 09, and Carolina had been, you know, they'd been the darling team, they'd been, you know, sort of like, a little bit like um, Montreal, right, had, I can't remember who they, they beat Jersey and Boston, I think, to get to the Conference Final, and and Dan wasn't talking about Carolina necessarily, but the Penguins swept Carolina. And he just said, you know, at some point in the playoffs, a team just buckles, right? They just can't, they have, they have no answers. They're out of juice, all those things. And I think mm-hmm. to your point, when teams like Tampa last year, and they learned that lesson the hard way, and like Washington and uh, Boston, and it, you know, you, you have to be able, you have to have a, a, a roster and a lineup with the will to do the things that you wouldn't normally do over 82 games right. in the regular season. And you do it every single night until the end of four rounds. And I, I, I think I, that always stuck with me. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's just running out of juice. And sometimes it's, a, it's the realization you don't, you haven't built your team to, to go that road. So, right. But, but, you know, we've also had superstars that as it turns out are totally willing to, 
to sacrifice their bodies that way. When it, like Sidney Crosby has, came out of the box as a guy that can grind it out. Yeah. So that's one of the great reasons why. And same with Evgeny Malkin. And to me, the same with Alex Ovechkin, who for sure, despite the early playoff struggles, to me it was never about him not willing to right. put his body through. I mean, the guy's a, a beast, and and so. When you have those guys already that way, that's that, that that's a huge step ahead. But for other superstars, sometimes it's 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 learning to get to to get to that where you're going to get hit harder, and the refs are going to allow more, and you're going to have to understand that's part of the drill. Yeah, true. Uh, all right, let's uh, Vegas, Montreal. Um, in a few, well, it'll be a few hours tonight. Uh, game two in Vegas. Gosh, I, even watching on TV makes me makes me hunger to be in Vegas. <laughs> well, that goes without saying. But uh, What a super be, crowd. What a super crowd. <laughs> I, I, but I was thinking about it the other day. Are, are we not? Is it is it a given if the NHL goes to the Olympics that we're watching the top two Canadian goaltenders square off here with <laughs> Marc-Andre Fleury and Carey Price? I mean. Yeah, you know, right now, they'd be the one, too, for sure, I yeah. think. Um, you know. And what do you do at number three? I mean, you, you see how Jordan Bennington bounces back. You see how, you know, Mary Darcy Kemper just won a gold medal for Canada, uh, the Worlds. Yes. Yep. Um, does Carter Hart bounce back from a, from a really tough year? There's other options there, but right now the one, two has to be price and flurry and take your pick between those two great veterans. Yeah, in my mind. Yeah. Well, and the weird part, if we had talked about this, like, let's say a year ago, you know, I mean, the, you know, Carrie Price said, you know, there have been some ups and downs. I, I, to me, it's just interesting that we are taught, you know, and there's Marc-Andre Fleury, a, a finalist for the Vezina and full value for that. Um, you know, I, I think it would be so much fun to watch those two, you know, share the crease in Beijing in, in 2022 as Canada looked for a, you know, to win three straight gold medals at Best on best Olympic tournaments. I think I think the dynamics would be pretty cool. And if if what we saw in Game One, um, man, it would be uh, man. There'd be some decisions to make as to who your number one guy was because both those guys made. Oh, they're outstanding! Time. Yeah, yeah, like, they were both outstanding. And Flurry, Flurry with some crazy saves in the first period yes. when the Habs the Habs came out like gangbusters and in a real intimidating atmosphere. And the Habs really took it to Vegas early, and then. Vegas found their game and took over, but that was a good game. Like I, I, I thought it was a pretty lazy narrative for people to think that that was, oh yeah, Vegas is going to sweep now. Well, maybe they will, but I got to tell you, the half gave them a game. I yeah, mean, no. that was, uh, that was good. I'm looking forward to watching more of that series. Yep. Uh, all right. A couple things before we get to Pecorine, as promised, uh, a couple coaching decisions made since we last spoke, my friend. And, uh, really, you know, we had, uh, Gerard Gallant on two-man advantage. I can't remember when, but uh, not a huge surprise. I don't think that he is the new New York Rangers head mm. coach. Uh, or, or, well, let me let me not presume, but uh, any surprise for you that uh, how things unfolded with uh, Gerard Gallant being named uh, a short period of time after guiding Canada to an unlikely gold medal at the World Championships? Yeah, so I, I, I felt from the get-go he was a front-runner there in part because I know that his first interview with Chris Jury was was out of this world, apparently really impressed Jury, and then it was a matter of Jury obviously still needing to talk to a number of candidates and Gallant being at the Worlds, but Gallant and Jury, I think, kept in touch through all that. Um, you know, I, I do think one element of it was maybe the Rangers, as they should, making sure to see what was going to happen with Rob Rindemore in Carolina and all signs pointing, by the way, to finally, I think, the Brindamore deal getting probably done by the end of the week in Carolina. I, I don't want to say 100%, but I was hearing from some sources this morning that things were kind of headed that way. And a lot of that, as you know, Scotty, was just, shouldn't say just because it's not been easy, but was a lot of Brindamore staff, you know, from trainers to all kinds of people in the organization uh, needing new deals and, and just showing you Brendan Moore's amazing loyalty and leadership. He wanted to make sure a lot of those things were in the works uh, before things went next level with his own deal. So, but I think he'll be back as head coach in Carolina. And, and I think that was part of the, you know, if you're the Rangers, you want to make sure because he's such a hot commodity. Um, and once I think the Rangers got Intel that, that Brendan Moore was probably staying in Carolina, not that they probably wouldn't hire Galina anyway, but like I said, you want to be able to talk to all the top candidates. So, 
Um, they obviously cemented the deal with Gallant and, um, you know, and, and from all, from what we know from our reporting, uh, Gallant signing four years, uh, just under three and a half million a year, pretty good deal in this economy. I mean, I know that people point to some of the five times five deals that are out there, but that, those were pre-pandemic deals for, for the likes of Ali Vigno and, and Tal McClellan. I think four times just shy of three and a half is, uh, is pretty good. No, and I I like the I like the fit there, and I just think um, we've talked a lot about Gerard Gallant and and his attractiveness, and of course what he accomplished in Vegas in that first year. Um, so much young talent, but uh, um, I mean you can't overlook the impact I think Gerard Gallant's going to have with a you know with a guy like Artemi Panarin or Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, the the veteran core of that. To certainly the offensive group. I, I think that team is real close, and I think Gerard Gallant's a good fit there. And I, I'll be listen. The expectations are right there. They should be a playoff team in a very difficult division, uh, and I think Gerard Gallant helps get them over the hump very quickly. I think so too. It's perfect timing. It's a team on a rise. It's a coach that players go through a wall for. I think there's a lot of, of terrific elements here. Great hire by Chris Jury. And, um, and you know, I, I think Gerard Gallant, is, is, he's a veteran now, a veteran coach. And, and, and he is an honest guy that will look at both, you know, the successes he had in, in, in Vegas and Florida, but also look at his deficiencies and, and try to improve on that. And that's what makes coaches great. And I think he's all over that. And I think that would have been part of his conversation with Chris Jury, right? You know, here's what I think I did well in those places. Here's areas I think I need to work on. Not, not everyone is comfortable doing that. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes sure. I think people want to present themselves as the as as having all the answers. And I think sometimes if you sound human and, and understand that, you know, you're going to work in certain things, I think that I think that makes you an even more impressive candidate. And I got a feeling that was part of the you know the conversations between Jury and uh, and Gallant. Uh, the other head coaching job filled uh, this week was Brad Larson moving up from his position as an assistant in Columbus to take over the head coaching role vacated by John Tortorella. And, I, you know, listen, anytime you get a former thrasher continuing to do stuff in the NHL, I'm all for that. <laughs> but I, I will tell you, Brad Larson, I think, is going to be a great fit for a team that is – you know, they're going to look probably a lot different by the time training camp rolls around if if we assume that Seth Jones is is um, headed elsewhere before the start of the season. Um, maybe Patrick Laine as well. Uh, but Brad Larson, people, I did see people say, oh, that's, you know, you do it on the cheap or that's the easy, that's the easy answer. Um but I think this is the right answer for where this team is headed. And he knows that team inside and out. And he is hard as nails. And I, I just think it, that team's going to have to play hard hockey to be successful, I think, for the next year or so. And and I think he's a good fit for where that team is at right now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I feel as strongly as you about that. Uh, I don't know enough about Brad Larson to, to have – a complete judgment. And, and in fact, if you would have told me two months ago that someone named Brad would be promoted internally to replace John Tortorella, my money would have been on Brad Shaw. <laughs> who's in but, Vancouver but, now. Yeah. But who's in Vancouver now. But but yeah, uh, hope, hopefully, uh, you know, I've heard good things about Brad Larson, but again, don't know enough about him to, to, to give a real certified statement on that one. All right. Before we take a break then, coaching landscape. You know, obviously, Arizona's still looking um, for their next head coach. And Seattle Kraken still waiting, waiting. Who will be the first Kraken head coach? Um, and, and a guy whose name and a guy who's been on our podcast, uh, Rick Tockett, I, I know, has figured in a number of these openings around the NHL. Yeah, he, he's definitely interviewed in Seattle. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Ron Francis is on record as saying that he wants the first head coach to be hired by the end of June. So we're getting there. Um, True. talk it as far as I can tell is the only brand name that we know as any of you that doesn't mean others haven't Ron Francis works in a very secretive way um, 
you know, I had been told that a name that was on Seattle's radar, at least to talk to, not necessarily as a front runner, but just a guy that I think they would have liked to have talked to is Lane Lambert from the Islanders. But the Islanders keep playing playoff hockey. So I don't know how that's going to figure out into the timing of it all. Um, so that would be interesting. I, I'd be, I'd be good with a Rick Tockett hire there. I mean, I think that, you know, I don't know that you want to make your first head coach in Seattle someone who hasn't been a head coach before in the NHL. I, I think that bringing in a brand name would make sense, but who knows? Uh, Ron Francis may think differently. So we'll see where that goes. And, um, you know, on Arizona, they're, any, they're on the other hand, they are absolutely looking at a lot of guys who might be a first time NHL head coach as they look to rebuild that organization. And, uh, uh, you know, um, some of the names that I told have interviewed there include uh, Pascal Maison from the Jets organization, uh, Todd Nelson, Mike Van Rin, and a number of others. I mean, I think Bill Armstrong, the GM there, is is really casting a wide net in terms of talking to a lot of different people. And the other coaching job open still in Buffalo. I, I you know, I've known Don Granato a long time. I, I, my sense is that that maybe that's where Kevin Adams sort of circles back, uh, given the work that Don Granato did as the interim head coach. And, you know, but it will, Kevin Adams got a lot on his plate. <laughs> and it's not He's, just I mean, listen, there's coach. no question Don Granato is a legit candidate. Um, but I will also say that, as you know, Kevin Adams has also spoken to a number, a number of candidates, yeah. including Bruce Boudreaux, uh, you know, I believe Nate Lehman, um, all kinds of guys. But yeah, I mean, hopefully it is Don Granato. It'd be a neat story. Although right. I'd like to see Bruce Boudreaux back behind yeah, Angel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I think uh, I think I don't like to speak for you. I mean, sometimes I do, but I, I would, I'm hoping for the sake of that fan base that there's some there's some good, you know some good things that happen there. I mean, they've it's been a rough ride, so I I hope whatever the decision is that they start to get things back on track because that fan base deserves some some good news and actually will. We'll circle back uh, later in the podcast with some questions that may have some Buffalo uh, ramifications. So we'll uh, we'll save that for then. And as promised, we're going to hear from Pekka Rene, former Vezina Trophy winner and the current King Clancy Trophy winner. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, everybody. As promised, special guest joined today. I told Pierre he had to be on. A, he had to have his game face on to get ready for our guest today because I know that Pekka Rene has his game face on, and it's a treat to have you join us, Pekka. And I understand you got a little help this morning. You got Poplar the dog with you, and I understand we're going to get to important topics, but none maybe more important than your morning events, which I understand involves a date on the golf course with teammate Roman Yossi. What's the, what's the deal with that? Who who carries the edge into this match, which I understand is going to happen later this morning? Hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. What a introduction! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big morning. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to a little golf game with uh, with Roman. Uh, we actually gonna I think we're gonna have a couple other other guys. I, I'm not sure who's coming. I think Fabro and uh, Nick Cousins too. But uh, I. Uh, I feel like I got the I got the edge right now. Last time we played with Roman, uh, I I beat him by one shot, so uh, I got a title to defend. It sounds like you got a little. You could even run like a little Ryder Cup there. You got you got you got guys from all over the world to set up a little Ryder Cup competition with the Predators. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing that quite a bit actually now after this after the season and. Uh, Obviously, you know a lot of lot of courses here and beautiful beautiful places. So, uh, you know everybody loves to play golf, and it's it's been it's been fun. Yeah, and all the all the boys all over the all over the world, uh, a lot of Europeans, a lot of uh, you know few 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 American players and and Canadians. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. 
Well, Pekka, I can guarantee you one thing about our interview here today. That it will not be interrupted by me being pulled over by police in the middle of our interview. <laughs> nice. Uh, this, so, I'll, so, I'll share this story with, with our ne- listeners. I'll never forget yeah, go, that. Yeah, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I, so, years ago, I was I was in my car on Bluetooth uh, interviewing uh, Pekka, but my tape recorder kept sliding all over my dash. And so, I was reached out to grab my tape recorder and decided to hold it in my hand while I'm driving to TSN. And having a great interview with Pekka, we're about three questions in and suddenly the, 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 the lights are flashing behind me and I get pulled over. And, and poor Pekka has to hear this entire conversation with the police officer as they stopped me because they thought I was texting and driving. They thought my tape recorder was my phone. And I don't know how long into that conversation we got, Pekka, before I, I politely said we have to stop the interview. <laughs> but, but I know that uh, when I saw you a year later, you, you were still laughing so hard at that. Yeah, I'd say, I I think it's a it's a just a funny story. I I I remember that I I I think at the time I was I was back in Finland and uh, you called me overseas and uh, yeah I was I was I mean it was <laughs> I felt bad for you but I was dying laughing. I was uh, it was funny. And by the way, uh, even though I got a ticket that day, I I got it cleared up later and when. You know, we realized I wasn't texting and driving, so I did nice. not have to nice. pay, pay a ticket for that. <laughs> nice, nice. Be, be, on, be honest, Pierre. You told them that you were talking to Pecorine, and they they immediately dropped. The I, I should have. <laughs> I did say I was in the middle of an interview, but uh, he didn't seem to care. <laughs> Uh, Pekka, uh, listen, it's, it, uh, honestly, it's so great to, to catch up with you. I, I feel like we, you know, like Pierre was mentioning, it's, it's, you feel a little bit, uh, disjointed, uh, through all of this without seeing people that you often run into and often spending some time in Nashville, you and I would cross paths. But, uh, first of all, congratulations on being named, uh, a day or so ago, uh, as the 2021 King Clancy Memorial Trophy winner, which is, that people should, I, to me, people should understand how important this award is. And it, it goes to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution in his community. And and, and I wonder just what it's like to be, A, to be nominated, um, you know, the, the, the Matt Dumba and Curtis Gabriel, both terrific um, um, players and, and really important people in their respective communities. Uh, what's it like to be nominated and, and, and maybe uh, maybe explain how this reflects how you feel about your home in Nashville and what it means to you that's been your home since you came into the NHL and what, what that entire award means to you? Uh, well, it means a lot. Uh, it's it's obvious. I, I feel like, especially the last couple of days, it, it really hits home. Uh, I, I think older I get, uh, in hockey, my my role has uh, gotten smaller a little bit in, in in my team, and you know, playing wise and things like that. And I, I, it it it, it kind of you know now people reaching out out to me, different organizations, different charities, uh, people along the way that I've I've met here in Nashville, and 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 families and uh, kids reaching out. I, I think. All of a sudden, you realize that it's it's so much more than hockey, and uh, so yeah, it means so much to me. It's a huge honor. Uh, but yeah, there's obviously there's a lot of lot of deserving players in, around the league who who who's doing a lot of work off the ice and who's a le- who are leaders on the ice. And um, so, I mean, just looking at the I was I was looking at the list um, of the players who who won the award and. It's a, it's a special award. It's uh, uh, for sure something that uh, I'm I'm very proud of. And uh, obviously, you don't do these things to win win something, or uh, but it's it is it is pretty cool. And uh, like I said, couple last couple of days, it's really kind of hit home to me when when people start reaching out and congratulating and kind of. Um, you know, just talking to people how uh, it's it's been a it's been a great run here. 
Yeah. Sorry, Pierre, just before, I just want to, I misspoke myself. It, it wasn't Matt Goomba, sorry. It's P.K. Subban and Curtis Gabriel were the other finalists. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that. that's yeah, right. Yeah, Clancy. Yeah, so your former teammate, P.K. Subban. So yeah. my fault, I, mis- I misspoke myself. Go ahead, Pierre. Well, I was going to say, first of all, you should be proud of, uh, of winning the Clancy Pekka. And, and also, I'm here to, to deliver some news to you because I wasn't sure if you were aware of this. Did you know that your contract expires in a couple of weeks? <laughs> you know, I didn't know if you knew that. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks, dear. I've, I've been so, so oblivious. Uh, I, I've been here all my life, so I, I just thought that it just automatically continues, renews itself. Uh, <laughs> but I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess not. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm off. Yeah. So you can guess my my actual question in, instead of being a smartass, um, <laughs> which I can be sometimes. But I think a lot of us are wondering ab- about your future because uh, you can certainly still stop the puck in this league and, and such an important tandem mate to, to your countryman, UC Saros. I mean, what's, what's your thoughts on what's next for you? Well, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, obviously it's been nice to, uh, nice to take some time off after the season. Uh, done a lot of, a lot of thinking, a lot of, uh, just taking, taking it easy. Uh, I have a young, young family now, uh, um, old six month old, uh, baby boy and, and my fiance. So, uh, We've been we've been just uh, enjoying life in here in here in Nashville. I've uh, I've talked to a lot of uh, a lot of players who who've uh, been in my situation, kind of kind of towards the end of their careers, and uh, uh, talked to my age and uh, things like that. And I, I I still I'm actually yeah I'm I I, I want to be very open and uh, honest. So I'm I'm meeting meeting up with uh, with David here in in Nashville actually this week. And um, so, still, still, uh, I think everything is kind of up in the air um, about my future. I, I think there's obviously different options and um, um, and big decisions to make. But uh, but uh, when it comes to thinking about me playing, I, I think uh, obviously Nashville is. Uh, it, it, you know, I take a lot of pride that I've uh, I spent all my career in in Nashville and in the same organization, and uh, you know what they've done to me, and um, I, I feel like it's uh, it's it's been a special thing, and obviously that's uh, that's something that's uh, it's 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 hard to it's hard to kind of unnoticed that or like look look elsewhere yeah i i don't know what this season was like for you and it was <clears throat> so different on so many different levels um but people people may forget that there was a stretch of time when uc saros was injured and you played a bunch of games and listen this, you you are instrumental in the predators getting up off the mat and getting into the playoffs and playing you know what I thought was a compelling six-game first-round series against Carolina, um, but I wondered if that sort of stretch of play and and how well you played and how important it was to the team did it. You know, does that impact whether you would like to come back and and play again, or is that is is the scope much bigger than maybe that stretch of play that was so important to your team? Uh, yeah, I mean. For sure, past uh, past year uh, season and a half, uh, like I mentioned, uh, uh, UC has kind of taken over, and and it's it's you know he's be, he's more than ready for that. Uh, it's been it's been fun to uh, witness that. Obviously, I'm a very competitive guy. I want to play all the game, <laughs> all the games. I'd be lying if I said anything differently. But uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, I think I mean it was I I, I hold myself. In a, you know, I, I still, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm turning, I'm turning 39 this year, and and uh, when I, when I prepare for the season and uh, and when I play games, I, I still, I want to be, I want to be one of the best, best, and and, uh, you know, there were there were moments, moments this year uh, where I wasn't, you know, I wasn't happy about my game, and and then down the down the stretch, I, yeah, that's. Uh, for sure, it it helps mentally that I, you know, kind of I was uh, I was playing well and uh, you know, kind of for my own sake, I, I think uh, you know I was able able to I think 
more mostly proved to myself that I I can I can play and play in a high level and uh, it's a it's a it's a good feeling and I I think uh, even though I've I've had a long career I I think you need sometimes when when your role kind of um, lessens a little bit I I, I think uh, it, it helps when you when you get the when you get the chance you actually can you know help the team out and and play well so um, uh, yeah I think it was it was good. You know, Pekka, you mentioned uh, UC Saros and, you know, in all the years I've covered the NHL, the Predators aren't the first team to come up with an idea where you have a superstar goalie like yourself over time sort of help mentor a younger goalie and then there's a transition. I've seen that plan many times. I've also seen that plan blow up because because guys have competitive juices and, and it's hard to, uh, you know, sometimes to make it happen. Why has it been so good for for you guys in terms of uh, I know how good you've been to to him and and it's clearly the proof is in the pudding. I mean, uh, I don't think that UC can be the goalie he is today without having a positive relationship with you. How what you know? Why has that been so important to you to make sure that that works out smoothly? Uh, well, I, I I don't know. To me, that's a that's a no brainer. I I've always I've been so fortunate to have uh, unbelievable guys uh, ask you know. As my partners uh, over the years, and you know, there's been Chris Mason, Anders Lindback, Carter Hutton. Um, I'm I'm missing out for you guys, but uh, th- those are probably the mo- uh, guys who spent most of the time with me. Um, and then obviously UC, and uh, I, I I think I think you know obviously it helps. We are both from Finland. Uh, we right away have that pond. Uh, first time I met UC was uh, 2014 World Championships, and uh, we just drafted him. And I, you know, right away you see the guy and you see the talent, and 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 then then you start noticing the person. He's uh, he, he's he's like the nicest guy. He's 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 humble. He's so polite. He's a great guy, funny guy. Um, and then I, I mean, I, I feel like we hit it off right away. And, um, as soon as he got to Nashville, I, you know, there was uh, there was a pond. There was uh, um, early years. I was I was helping him out. He he was living at my house always uh, for the training camps and things like that. And uh, so we got really close. And and ever since, it's been uh, just a relationship that uh, I think he benefited me. Uh, I, I I really had to work on my game. He was he was that talented already. I want to say four years ago, three years ago, and um, I, I feel like he could have played more games at the time. Even the even the season I I, I won the uh, the Vezina Trophy. I think that was uh, Yusi's uh, second year, maybe. Uh, and uh, I, I think it was it was helpful for me. Uh, he was he was really pushing me, and and then uh, you know a couple of years after that he was he was ready and. So I, I've been pulling for him too. I, I'm I'm proud of him, and I'm I'm, you know, he's a, he's a guy who has to he has to prove himself all over the all over again. You know, everybody everybody's looking at his size and things like that, mm-hmm. and, and in every single level he's been successful. And um, so I'm 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 happy for him. I'm proud of him, and and so it's it's been actually easy for me. Uh, in a personal standpoint, uh, relationship standpoint with uh, with UC. Obviously, at times, uh, uh, even though I, I consider myself a, a humble guy and things like that, but uh, on the you know at the rink, I'm I'm competitive, and so for sure, I, I feel like especially last season, it was uh, you know at times um, I could I could sense that it was like. You know, I've always been, I've always been the guy. So at times it was hard. It was uh, almost like my ego was coming out. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's not <laughs> yeah, easy. So you, you learn to deal with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you learn to deal with these things. But at the end of the day, um, it's been helpful for me. And and this year, uh, coming in the season, I I kind of kind of knew that. Obviously, I was preparing preparing for the season also be ready to play but i i was also mentally um preparing to uh support uc and uh and just take a little bit of different role more of a i i guess a leader role in uh in the locker room and things like that around the team 
you mentioned Pekka, you're you're a new dad, and uh, you know, coming to you know, sort of a, a crossroads, maybe a crossroads in in figuring out what to do. If it's if it's not playing, have you thought uh, about what's next, and whether that's you know, in a few months uh, when training camp starts in September, or if it's a year from now? But have you thought about what you'd like your life to be or to look like when you're not playing anymore? Well, sure. Uh, thought uh, thought every single option uh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, st- I still I still do. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. You mentioned about the being a dad. It's it's been the best. I I've uh, I, I love it. It's uh, it's 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 been amazing. Uh, life's changing for sure, and and puts things into different perspective. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I, that 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 is still very uh open i i i don't know uh, i really i can't say if, if this is it uh i don't know as if, for example about next year next season what's what's gonna happen i i think we are planning on um we are still in nashville uh we're gonna go back to back to finland uh none of the grandparents nobody have seen uh seen our kids so everybody's itching to uh for us to come back and so we're gonna go back in, in in July and 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 see everybody and and we are planning on coming back here any no matter what uh, um, you know after after spending a couple months in 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 Finland so that's that's our short term plan but uh, you know that can obviously obviously change. Well, Pekka, regardless of whatever decisions you make here, whether whether we see you back in net or or whether you decide to call it quits either way uh, we'll be happy for you and your decision you've been one of the classiest guys to be around and to cover over the years and you know secretly i think i do hope there's another year in you uh but um you know i just wanted to say ketos and, and thanks for your time here today and i i hope i hope you hit him straight on the golf course but uh, seriously just uh, some great thoughts and, and i really appreciate your time yeah and, and peck it before I let you go, I have, mm-hmm. and you mentioned going back to, to Finland, and it's something that I don't know that I've, you know, you and I have talked about this, but it's been a long time ago. But I have to tell you, one of my favorite Pecorine stories is mm-hmm. the, the the origin story. And I, Ray Shiro, I know people bug him all the time about it, but when he came to see you in, and now am I pronouncing it right? <laughs> Ulu? Is that right? Do I have Ulu? Uh, Olo. Olo. Yeah. Which Olo. is. Which is, I know, because I went back and looked, you were telling me it's not all that far from the North Pole. And Ratio yeah. was with the Predators organization, and uh, he had to come and see you. But the story was he had to come and see you early because you were playing behind uh, the goaltender, Nicholas Backstrom, and often right. just warmed up. And Ray tells me the story about how cold it was. He had to buy a hat. And then he... Could he couldn't even remember whether you stopped ten shots or no shots uh, during the warm up, but but that was it, and and of course you ended up being drafted by the Preds, two hundred and fifty eighth overall, just unbelievable story. But I wonder, do you re- do you reflect back on that, you know, sort of those moments when I don't know if you thought anyone was watching you or if you had a chance or what that was like, but you know now you're six hundred and 83 regular season games into a career. I wonder if you think back to those days and, and think about how it's all unfolded. I I do. I do. I for sure. It's it's, it's I, I remember that. I you know, obviously I was already a couple years that was a couple years after my draft date. So I was I was already 20 years old and uh I remember uh, we had a really good team in Olu. Uh I was playing behind Backstrom and then uh my coach was telling me that uh hey there's uh you know, Nashville is interested in you, and uh, and then sure enough, one one day they were like, okay, uh, tonight there's gonna be somebody watching you, and I I actually thought that I'm playing, so I'm like just like nervous, and I'm like pumped up. I've I've never I've always you know obviously I, I was always dreaming about playing NHL, but I you know I never thought about getting you know I never really thought about somebody coming and specifically look at me and stuff so and then then disappointment i'm i'm not playing so i'm like oh man and and uh i uh i go in the on the ice in the warm ups i'm i'm just working my butt off like you know any shot i can get i'm i'm trying to stop them and 
I'm taking like extra shots when like Backstrom when Backstrom skated off the net. I I'm like I jump in and just like try does you know anything. I'm like just going going all out and uh, uh, it's a, yeah it's a funny story. So sure enough, Ray was watching that game. Uh, we've talked with Ray multiple times about it and uh, it, it's funny how things things go. And I I think uh, I think that's a that's a story that. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna, uh, gonna linger around for a while, and uh, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good one. I'll, I'll always remember that. Uh, good stuff. Well, I'm with Pierre uh, Pekka secretly. Well, not secretly, because I'm gonna, I'll say it like Pierre. But uh, I hope, I hope there's, I hope there's a. This is not the end of Pekarine NHL goaltender in Nashville, but we'll see how it turns out. And regardless, you know, thank you again for your time, and, and wish you only the best. Not only in your golf game, but uh, whatever is whatever is ahead of you. But uh, thank you for coming and hanging out with today uh, with us today. It's been a real treat. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's always been always been a pleasure. You guys, you guys are awesome. I got to tell you, I I never get tired of hearing the story about you getting pulled over uh, talking to Pekka. <laughs> so that was beautiful. To, to he 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 clearly loves it too. So. <laughs> I mean, I could hear him laughing at the other end of the phone line while the police officer's chewing me out. That was pretty good. Uh, good stuff. Well, I, I don't, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, as Becca points out, he's, he's 38. He's going to be 39 in November. So really early next season. Um, but, there, you know, I know we saw Mike Smith. You know, he's still there. I guess my point is, right. you know, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, you know, was being counted on to be a, a big part of the Caps plan before his heart issues. So I think mm-hmm. there is a place for, you know, a veteran goalie. And we didn't, he, I thought Pekka sort of alluded to it, that he's really, you know, his home and his heart are in Nashville. But, you know, our good pal Larry Brooks from the New York Post, I thought floated an interesting idea not too long ago saying, hey, if Pekka Rene is not going back to Nashville, the Rangers should be taking a hard look at him to come in and um, and and mentor Shesterkin, and uh, right. you know. So anyway, I, I, he's just—it's always been a treat. Uh, I just—I I, I guess the question I have though is, and you know, we'll you know, won't spend too much time on this, but if if if, if that's if those are the kind of scenarios that are out there for him, is to go out and mentor someone else. I mean, why why would that be so much terribly more enticing than what he has now? I don't know. Like right. to me, the tiebreaker is to finish his career in Nashville. So for him to leave, I would assume it would be for a larger role than he can have now. Right. Yeah. Well, or I mean, yeah. At least a one A one B, which right. you know is is not really the case anymore. I mean, Saros has really taken over, right? So yeah. well, as you and um, I talked about, uh, you know, could very well have been on the uh, final uh, Vezina list. He wasn't, but uh, certainly mm-hmm. had the credentials to be. Mm-hmm. On that now, now, mind you, the, the sports science is telling us more and more that that everyone should be one A one B, right? That yeah. that no no goalie should play more than what's the number you think fifty five games in an eighty two game season. That, yeah, that I would there think, is yeah there is a carve out carve out role now for the number two guy more than ever to have a substantial role. So I guess in in that in that vein, I, I suppose Pekarine is going to play games no matter what he decides if he decides to play. Yeah, yeah. good point. All right. Anyway, regardless, uh, whatever happens to Pecorine, we wish Super him guy. the absolute best. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we will ask the dorks some questions and, and wrap this episode of Two Man Advantage up. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Spotify. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, my friend. Lots of questions here for Ask the Dorks. Uh, it's a good one from uh, regular contributor, Melanby's Dead Rat, Dale JH66. Um, most fans in off-season mode, except for fans of the Final Four, obviously. Um, with so many teams at or over the flat cap, uh, I would think UFA offers will be lower. And how do you think GMs um, may approach RFA uh, decisions, and especially those going to arbitration, as in do you think those contract uh, offerings will be lower as well as a result of the flat cap? In general, is it going to be hard to be a uh, free agent, either restricted or unrestricted, in the coming weeks and days, my friend? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough question to answer because I think there are going to be circumstances that affect every free agent differently. And I'm, I'm not trying to give a cop out, but it really is true. Like, I think if you're among the elite, you'll still get your payday. But we did see last fall with the first free agent window with the flat cap that there were players affected. I mean, Mike Hoffman had to wait months. Right. Um, Tyler Toffoli, a proven 30-goal scorer, had to wait three days into free agency before taking a deal that was for sure below the original goal for him before he signed to Montreal and ended up being one of the great signings of the offseason. But so we've seen the impact for sure of the flat cap. Um, you know, uh, one thing I will say is that with Seattle coming in and grabbing 30 players, those are 30 players off other teams' payrolls. So it does at least loosen up some situations a bit, but I stress the part a bit because really it's not, you know, it's, it's really one player per team in general. And, um, y you know, but that'll help, <laughs> especially if it's, you know, if they take the odd four or five million dollar player. Agreed. And, and, and I mean, and, and players, you know, players will get paid. Right? I mean, we, we, you know, Alex Petrangelo got paid because. Right. So that's what I meant. Is that, is yeah. that, it, that's why you can't, it's hard to give it. A, a swooping answer because some guys will get paid, but there's a lot of other guys that will caught in the, in the crosshairs of it. Uh, of just too many teams saying, we can't give you that type of deal anymore. So it really depends who you are. Right. Uh, this is sort of a, a related question. This is from Josh, the Zamboni guy. Um, which teams do you see trading some players because they have Seattle expansion problems or presumably working a deal with Ron Francis to, you know, as we've seen, you know, as we see, saw what happened with Vegas in 17, um, uh, maybe not maneuvering to protect players necessarily, but maneuvering because they have salary cap issues because of the, the flat cap. And Josh asked, because I could see the Canucks trying to improve by helping out some teams in this way. So, right. Yeah. Thanks. Love the show. Thank you very much, Josh. Yeah. And there's a few, there's a number of teams that are hoping to take advantage of the Seattle situation. Uh, you know, I think the Anaheim Ducks, for example, come to mind. So, teams that have better, that have fewer protection issues than others are actually going to try and do that. Like, get in as a third team involved in all these discussions between Seattle and teams that are up against it. But, uh, you know, as far as teams that, probably have to make a move in Minnesota with the 4D, right? What, what do they do? And, Matt Dumba. Yeah, and, and and of course, tied into all of this are, are questions about when do you sign your UFAs? <laughs> wink, wink. If you're if you're a team, you know, if you're Colorado with Landis Gog and Washington with Ovechkin and we'll see what happens with Carolina and Dougie Hamilton. We know that Dougie Hamilton's camp led by J.P. Berry of CA Sports has been given permission to talk to other teams already. Um, but that doesn't rule out Doug Hamilton resigning in Carolina. That's I think that was just Carolina being um, progressive in a way because you know if 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 JP Barry goes out there and realizes there isn't an eight year deal on the table for any team, now, I'm not saying there won't be. There very well there very well could be, which would force a sign and trade. But what if there isn't? 
And then, then naturally, then you have another conversation with Carolina at some point. But even if they do have a conversation with Carolina, the Hurricanes aren't going to want to sign Dougie Hamilton before the expansion draft. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for, for, yeah. for protection issues. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. And you know what? Here, I'm going to I want to ask finally, because our good friend Al, he always sends in a question every week. Mostly it's about my hair, uh, which is fair enough because, uh, uh, you know, my hair has been the topic of discussion for many years, but uh, in this case, um, he asked this question a couple weeks ago, and I and I uh, and I didn't ask it during Ask the Dorks. But um, he, his question is: In general, we look at the playoffs, and we look at Montreal beating Toronto. Uh, we looked at, of course, the Oilers getting swept. Uh, there have been a number of series that seem to. To, to have taken a lot of us in the business by surprise. You know what I mean? Predictions are. I know you don't like to do them. But but very few people, if any, predicted some of those series. And, and his question is, uh, is this a function of the divisional realignment? Or is it that you, you know, why, why, why do you think we've been taken so completely by surprise by some of what we've seen in the playoffs in terms of teams that we, we you know, we, we didn't expect to have any chance to win a series, and yet they did? I don't think we have been taken by surprise. Like, I think this is the playoffs every year, don't you think? I don't know. I, I, I like, let's go back over the last 10 years, you know, uh, the eight seeded Kings beating the number one seeded Canucks in 2012. Like, I just think we're, I think we have short term memory sometimes with the playoffs. And, but I, you know, Columbus sweeping 62 win Tampa. Like, I think, I think this is what we have every year. I mean, I mean, that's what makes it so marvelous. That's what I think puts hockey in such a different place is that, you know, people used to roll their eyes when GMs would be quoted saying, all you have to do is just get in. But it's actually true. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually true that you just have to worry about getting in. See, and I, and I agree entirely. And I think part of it is if you, and part of maybe just with social media, people don't want to be like you and I had talked about this. We talked about it again today. We like Montreal. We liked how they were built. They played like crap, you know, floundered around the last you know, third of the season or whatever it was. And so it's just simpler to pick the Leafs to win that series because they should win that series. And I think, you know, there's all the social media, you know, to get flayed. It's just easier not to put yourself out there to say, you know, uh, well, I'll take Montreal in seven or whatever it is. And it's just the, 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 the safe pick, you, you know, is you know, is the easy pick to make, even though we understand that there are likely going to be upsets. And in this case, there were a couple of huge ones in the North division. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's not that it's easy to predict where they're going to come from, but I think it's just, uh, it, the, the, you know, I've heard this a lot from coaches and managers again, uh, during these playoffs, both from organizations winning and from organizations losing, but the, the line between winning and losing has, again, never been thinner. It is just, and the overreaction to some of the teams losing, like they need this, they need that. No, it's just close, man. <laughs> like a bounce here, a bounce there. And for, you know, people don't want to hear that because where's the analysis and that? And where's the, but it's just so damn close. And, um, and that's why I think that's why GMs get paid what they get paid, I guess, because you really have to be careful not to overreact. Uh, and to trust the process, trust your core, tweak it. Yes, of course, but um, you know the idea—the idea, the idea of, of trading core players because you didn't get out of the first or second round—to me is, is a total overreaction. When you realize how close this league is, you are a very wise man, my friend. All right, uh, let's uh, wrap it up here. Uh, what else we got going on in our podcast world? Uh, Newell Brown. Excellent guy, the former assistant coach of the Vancouver Canucks, joins Jeff Patterson and Thomas Drance on an all-new VanCast on Tuesday at The Athletic. Former NHLer Matt Cook joins Mike Russo on Straight from the Source this week at The Athletic. And Chris Johnson, our good pal of us. I saw Chris on a Zoom call earlier this week. He, he looks so thin and healthy. and I He's know been he's a running. marathon runner. I know. Yeah. I just... Yeah, he needs to spend more time. I don't know about you. He needs more to spend more time with me. You need to fatten him up. <laughs> anyway, he's <laughs> Chris Johnson of Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Joins Jonas Siegel and James Myrtle on an off-season episode of the Leaf Report at The Athletic. 
And, of course, the Athletic Hockey Show is now at five days a week, Monday with Ian Mendez and Haley Salvian. Tuesday, Craig Custon, Sean Gentilly, All-American version there. Uh, you and I are uh, holding things up in the middle. We're like the tent pole in the middle of the week on Wednesdays. Thursday, Ian Mendez and Down Goes Brown, Sean McIndoe. And Friday, the new Prospect Series with Max Boltman and Corey Pronman. It takes us like 20 minutes to you know to mention all the podcasts, so that's kind of good. And you should check out our comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app and rate and subscribe to The Athletic Hockey Show on Apple. If you aren't already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash hockey show and receive a subscription for $3.99 a month. My friend, good work by you today, and I can't wait to see what will happen next week when we do this all again. Well, um, I can't promise I'll be there, but I will do my best. All right, all right. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.